Welcome to A Slice of SEL, a podcast for educators about social-emotional learning. Welcome to A Slice of SEL. We're the SEL services team at the St. Croix River Education District. I'm Nick. I'm Rye. And I'm Courtney. And for this week's episode, we were inspired by an article from the We Are Teachers website, and that was written by a teacher named Elizabeth Mulvihill, and the article was called 25 Simple Ways to Integrate SEL Throughout the Day. We thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of walk through a buffet of different topics, some that we've, we haven't focused on on the podcast before, and some that we've done previous episodes on. Please don't leave this episode expecting to try to make big moves with all 25 of these ideas at once. Please don't do that. But we do hope that you maybe pick up, pick one or two ideas that you're really excited about and you want to do more with. And you can always come back and listen to this episode again if you want to try more things. But before that, let's talk about what's filling our buckets this week. Um, I'll go first. I just think it's so exciting when we get a request from um, people who want to join our SEL um, email list and keep updated on all of the resources that we're putting out. It's so much fun to see like where all of the people are coming from, whether it's local or out of state. Um, it just makes me feel like what we're doing is so impactful to not only the member districts, but everyone around. <laughs> all right. That's such a sweet one. <laughs> perfect. What's filling my bucket is very on topic for the episode this week. So one of our districts, uh, North Branch, did district-wide professional learning on SEL recently, where they were digging into the Minnesota SEL standards. And one of the big tech takeaways from the day was, hey, we're already doing a lot of SEL things. So this, you know, isn't a brand new deal. It's it's about continuous improvement and refining what we're doing during the school day. So it was just was awesome professional learning, and I was so inspired with what they did. Awesome. Mine is on a similar note to yours, Nick. Um, We heard from a teacher that a parent of one of the students they work with really appreciates the Be Good People curriculum, and they're taking advantage of some of those things that are being sent home, and they're incorporating them into just daily conversations among the family. So that's really exciting, too. Do you mind sharing what the the posters from the curriculum are called at home? Oh, um, gosh, now you put me on the spot. What The Keys to Life, I think she calls them. Keys to Life, I think it was. (laughs) The Keys to Life. So cute. So without further ado, we're going to shift to our main topic. And just before we jump into Elizabeth's list of 25 ideas, just wanted to mention two things. Uh, Number one is we did do deep dives on some of Elizabeth's ideas in previous podcast episodes. So we are going to be sure to mention that in case you missed an episode of this podcast and you want to go back and learn more about one of these topics. And number two, we are going to link Elizabeth's wonderful article that inspired this episode into the show notes of the podcast. And FYI, she, like any great teacher, wanted to share resources with her colleagues, so she included at least one resource link for each of her 25 ideas to help other teachers get started. So if you like one of these ideas and you want some help with it, she's got you covered. So idea number one for SEL throughout the day is start the day with a check-in. So Elizabeth recommended making it a goal to start each day with that personal connection with students. And it could be as simple as, you know, giving a warm greeting as each student is arriving and coming in and getting set up in the morning. It could be, you know, starting your first class of the day with a fun icebreaker question and asking the whole class and just starting off on that community note. Um, It could be students checking in on their mood by using a tool like Yale University's Mood Meter. And we did do a deep dive on that 
you know, specific example, the mood meter and doing check-ins with that in episode 23, where we talked about creating emotionally intelligent schools. Yeah. And number two is using story time for teachable moments. We talked a lot about this in every part of our five episode series on weaving SEL into academic instruction. And read alouds are the perfect tool for exploring some of that social emotional themes with your class. We talked about books like um, The Three Little Pigs, my favorite one, <laughs> uh, Wonder, uh, some Julia Cook books, the list goes on. But Elizabeth did also include a list of 50 must have picture books in her article. And then we also have a list of many SEL storybooks on our SEL website. Additionally, the second step curriculum that many of our elementary schools use also include book lists. Kids just love the stories. It, when, when you can use them, they stick to their brains, and it's a great way to promote SEL. Yeah, I was working with a group of kindergarten teachers on second step in uh, North Branch the other day, and they were just you know really excited about the, the storybook list that comes with that curriculum because, yeah, kids love stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, number three is to work on partnerships. So give kids lots of opportunities to work with partners. Uh, working with a partner helps kids learn to cooperate and it builds that community in our classrooms. So we can alternate between strategically assigning partnerships and allowing kids to make their own choices. I've even seen teachers make the assigning of the partners fun. So like using like cards or puzzles or pictures split into two and you have to find the partner that has the same image that completes yours. It's super cute. In episode 17, we talked about weaving SEL into academics, and we specifically focused on relationship skills. And during that episode, we gave lots of specific ideas on how to set students up to succeed when they're working together in class. So that's an example of something that's obviously already occurring at some point in nearly all classrooms across the country, but we can always make improvements with how we're doing it. And part of that is just seeing the partner work itself as a learning opportunity, not just the content that they're working on. Yeah, excellent way of putting it, Court. So tip number four is teach kids how to work in a group. So being able to work in a group setting obviously is a very important life skill. It's going to carry over to when these students have jobs one day and students are going to learn how to negotiate, need to learn how to negotiate with others, to develop leadership skills, to figure out their own strengths so that they know what they can contribute to the group and bring to it. And I'm just going to steal and echo everything that Court just said about partner work because it also applies perfectly to that group work as well. Totally. Uh, number five is just nurturing a culture of kindness. So at the beginning of the year, you could read, have you filled a bucket today? Um, a story about just the power of kind words. Then you can create your own bucket for the classroom. Uh, you could get a small tin bucket from a craft store and cut three by three inch pieces out of cardstock. Then throughout the year, kids can write messages of kindness, appreciation, and love on the cards throughout each week and in order to fill up that bucket. So then at the end of each week, you can spend a few minutes sharing these notes of encouragement to end the week on a positive note. That's so sweet. Yeah, I love that one. And when we sorted out who was going to talk about these 25 tips, Rye, I just knew you would pick this one because of your <laughs> your elementary lens and experience yeah. and how crafty you are. I did actually do a similar um, thing in my classroom. For tip number six, practice lots of role playing. So sometimes you have to put yourself in someone else's shoes to truly understand a situation. That's what Elizabeth was saying about this. So taking time to um, role play tricky or troubling situations that show up in your classroom helps your students develop empathy, helps them understand other people's feelings. And Elizabeth pointed out that this role playing is a great strategy to use when you're discussing bullying. And I just love that Elizabeth specifically mentioned role-playing as a recommendation in her article because every lesson in our Be Good People SEL curriculum that Courtney mentioned earlier, every lesson gives students and teachers five scenarios which are opportunities to role-play 
how to use an SEL skill appropriately. And we always say that you can discuss one of those scenarios. That's always an option if you're not comfortable with the role play. But man, there's something to be said for how impactful it is to, to do that role play and really live it. And I like to compare it to driver's ed, where there's a difference between, you know, sitting there and reading about driving and how to make turns and how to parallel park and then actually practicing it. Tip number seven is to build students' social-emotional vocabulary. So Elizabeth gave the example of hanging a large poster with growth mindset reframe phrases on the wall. So you've probably seen one of those before. You've got the fixed mindset phrase on one side and then the reframe on the other where we, you know, look at our mistakes as opportunities to grow. And Elizabeth also suggested giving students their, their own smaller version of a visual like that that they could put in their journals or their planners. And there's a lot that falls under that bucket of SEL vocabulary. One example is just emotional vocabulary words. And in episode 23 of this podcast, we talked a lot about how many opportunities we have to build students' emotional vocabulary during English class when they're reading and writing. Another one that kind of relates to that English class or those opportunities um, is to make space for reflective writing. Um, give your students time to journal and free write. So you could put on quiet music and dim the lights, make writing time just a quiet, soothing break from the busyness that your students will look forward to. And for those reluctant starters, you could provide a menu of optional prompts. I know I did this um, in my setting three room when I was back in the classroom, and it was always awesome to ask, like I would have to ask, obviously, if I was able to read their journals, but it was always awesome to see kind of what was going on with them, and they were much more comfortable putting it into their journals than they were saying it in front of the class. So it's a really good opportunity to just learn a little bit about our students as well. Yeah, we talked about in our uh, Weaving SEL into Academics episodes how the Minnesota SEL standards are pretty cool and unique in that they offered a lot of example activities next to each benchmark of ways that you could promote it. And I know a lot of them were about journaling, so lots of ideas for journal prompts you could use with students. Tip number nine is set up a calm down corner. So this is just creating a special place in your classroom for kids to take a break when they're upset or angry or need to just calm themselves. The space should have a peaceful atmosphere and might include comfy pillows to sit on, noise canceling headphones, a fish tank perhaps, um, journaling materials, calming images and or books about peace. Teacher paid teachers and Pinterest have like so many cute examples that are worthy of your time if you have it to just get ideas to for that calm down corner. Awesome. Tip number 10 is to allow for talk time. Now, I didn't, full disclosure, get to pick the ones that I was doing today because I was the last one to get in here. But if I did, this is one that I would have picked because this is something I'm super passionate about. So give kids a lot of opportunities, both structured and unstructured, to talk to one another during the course of the day. So bouncing ideas off of another, one another or figuring out problems uh, with a little give and take helps your students build understanding and confidence. When Class is cracking up and getting wiggly. Taking that five-minute chat break is a great way to hit the reset button. What I always did, it didn't matter the day, didn't matter what we were doing, was the first five minutes of class, we just talked. We just got to talk to either everybody together or with a partner or whatever. We just chatted, and it was awesome, and everybody was always ready to start after five minutes. I really liked that tip, Court, and I'm glad that it ended up in your hands to talk about. <laughs> um, tip number 11 is to teach kids how to manage conflict with peer mediation. So peer mediation is a problem-solving process where students are involved in a dispute and they meet in a private, safe, and confidential setting and work out problems with the help of a student mediator. 
So doing something like a peer mediation program in your school, I would say is kind of beyond the scope of a single teacher operating by themselves. It's more of a system deal. But there are schools that do have a peer, a peer jury program is what some of them call it. And often, you know, with at least one faculty advisor. So if there's a program like that in a school, if a teacher was really passionate about it, they could be the person who leads and oversees that peer jury program. And in a program like that, students are going to get training on peer mediation. And we're just going to have to do a whole episode on this, guys, at some point, because it is a very cool topic. I've been a peer mediator where I've been facilitating those conversations between two peers who aren't getting along. But we know and we've talked about how much adolescents in particular listen to each other way, way more than they do the adults. So it's, it's a great thing to get other students involved in that process. I love that idea. Tip number 12. Teach students to monitor their own progress. So make personal goal setting, academic, emotional, social, whatever, a regular activity with your students. It'll strengthen their interpersonal skills and also give them ownership of their own learning. So help them develop the habit of revisiting and adjusting their goals often to monitor their own progress. Am I meeting my goals? What do I need to work on next? How do I want to grow? Something I've seen people do is have little binders where the student has these charts that they do and they can put stickers on there or color them in whatever their goal happens to be and they just graph it themselves. And it's something you could start your class with or end class with every day just to get them in the habit of re-looking at all of their goals. Yeah, I know one of the middle schools that I, I work with, they have something like this in their advisory classes where near the beginning of the year they have students set goals and then they keep rechecking on them. I don't, full disclosure, know really the details enough to speak about it much more intelligently, but it's it's really great when we coach students in doing that through the year. And we talked about the three of us um, when we were working together with Rachel and Molly and writing Be Good People, like how in the younger grades, it's not often so much the students setting their own goal, like especially in like kindergarten, it might be like a class goal, but you could even in those younger grades set a class goal and then the whole class kind of checks in on where they are with meeting that goal. Tip 13 is use anchor charts to teach social-emotional skills. So full disclosure, maybe this is embarrassing. When I saw this one, I just didn't know what an anchor chart was. So I'm going to be real about that. Um, but you can you can create anchor charts. See, Rai's laughing at me. <laughs> um, you can create these anchor charts about a lot of different topics. So the SEL ones that Elizabeth gave as examples were owning your learning, or what does respect look like, or how to be a problem solver. So obviously I'm not an expert in this, but from what I've garnered, it's essentially, you know, making a poster together as a group to demonstrate what we've learned. Is that accurate, guys? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like <laughs> in Be Good People, we have lessons about like showing respect. And like after that lesson, the class could work together or during that lesson and, and make this poster together. And that would be an anchor chart about, you know, what it looks like to show respect. And this is something that I'm excited to work on more and more because one thing many of our schools who do use the Be Good People curriculum are interested in doing next year is planning these kind of fun activities that like advisory classes would do where they take an SEL lesson and then they're matching that up with an, an extension activity like this where we'd make a poster or do something else crafty. So I'm really excited to, to dive into this more. Awesome. Tip number 14 is to build community with teams. So consider an alternative seating arrangement that would allow kids to sit in teams. Let each team create an original name, motto, and flag. This would be a great way for students to feel a sense of belonging, and it encourages collaboration and cooperation. You could also just change them up every 6 to 12 weeks to keep the team building moving on. Something that I did, I know this isn't necessarily specific with your whole class, but we played a, we played Jeopardy a lot when I was a teacher, and 
when they got to pick their own team and they really got to dive into what that team meant and looked like and had a name, it was so much more fun and meaningful for them. They just love doing that. I'm glad you gave a serious, helpful example because I was just thinking about the houses in Harry Potter. (laughs) I'm a a Hufflepuff, by the way. I I took the official quiz. (laughs) I am a Ravenclaw. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I think that uh, healthy competition is always important. Which leads us to tip number 15, playing games to build community. So cooperative learning games can promote social and relationship skills. There are tons of resources out there for activities to play in your classroom. Um, Elizabeth linked a bank of classroom games into her article, so feel free to check that out. Definitely. Excited to jump into those. I know Zoom games were a big deal this year to get students to show up and just promote that engagement when we all weren't in the same place. Tip number 16 is to cultivate friendship which is a big (laughs) phrase that you might hear and be intimidated by because you just don't know how to attack that because there's a million ways we could help students cultivate friendship. But Elizabeth was just pointing out, you know, friendship comes easy for some kids. It's really natural. Others are going to need more coaching and help to know how to be a good friend, to know how to reach out, form those relationships. So she mentioned uh, videos as a resource she really loves for teaching students friendship skills. And that's definitely something I feel like we're talking about be good people a lot today, but it's just, (laughs) it's just the way that it is. We have lessons in be good people on maintaining friendships, choosing good friends, compromising. So a lot of friendship and relationship skills and videos are a big part of that because it's good for kids to just actually see what it looks like to handle that. Well, totally agree with Elizabeth on this one. Uh, Tip number 17 is just buddy up with an older or younger class. So having a special connection with another class is a great way to build positive ongoing relationships in your school community. Kids are always amazed at how easy it is to find common ground with younger and older students. And the big kids feel important and the little kids feel special. In the school that I worked at, um, some of the second grade classrooms teamed up with the kindergarten classrooms and the second graders would come into the kindergarten classrooms and and during story time and pair up and buddy read together. And I think that it was something that the kids really enjoyed. And just like, like I said, the big kids felt super important and the little kids felt so special. I love that. Yeah, I love that, especially with the less confident um, older readers in the older grades. That's one where I've seen it where they they have a lot of confidence and pride from from reading to the younger students. So there's just so many benefits there to just their academic confidence and just their their leadership skills and all of that. Yeah, exactly. So tip number 18 is to help students manage feelings and emotions, which I feel like I'm picking these phrases that there's so much to unpack there. Um, And we know how important this is, you know, teaching students to be aware self-aware of their own emotions, and then learning those coping skills that they need to manage their moods. So the second step SEL curriculum and the Be Good People SEL curriculum, both that are you know heavily used in our local schools, they're obviously great for this, and they make a huge impact during that set-aside time when we're dedicating instructional time to focusing on this skill set. But the real impact as well is when we're, we're walking the talk and making this part of the whole day every day. So we can't recommend episode 23 of our podcast enough because in that episode we talked about creating emotionally intelligent schools and we talked about tools like Yale University's Mood Meter or the Zones of Regulation, um, tools like that that help teachers and students to speak the same speak every day, all day about what their moods are. And if we're good at identifying our moods, we also need those skills to shift our mood when we want to. 
and our Calming Strategies toolbox on our SEL website is the place to go if you want to coach students on that skill set of being able to kind of manage and shift their moods. I've seen many classrooms that have hung up some of those Calming Strategy posters from our toolbox, and it's just so cool to see and for them to be able to reference to help students build those skills every day. Tip number 19 is to teach mindfulness. And Elizabeth pointed out that, you know, this chaotic, crazy year that we're in has created a lot of stress, obviously, and anxiety for our students. And practicing mindfulness is, is one way to alleviate those anxious feelings. And we just did an episode on this, Rye and I did episode 24. Mindfulness can be as simple as taking a few deep breaths and using that sound of our breathing and the feeling of the breath as an anchor that pulls our attention to the right here, right now, instead of ruminating about the past or worrying about the future. Tip number 20 is to hold regular class meetings. So this is an opportunity to make sure that all students' voices are heard, checking in frequently to celebrate what's working and to address things that need adjustment with your classroom as a community. And it empowers all students with that student voice and gives them a, a vote and a say and some ownership over the classroom community. So this is a great idea, but we are going to have to do a whole episode about this topic because if I were listening, I wouldn't give this, you know, a classroom meeting a shot unless I was really confident in it. So we're going to have to do a whole episode on that to dive I love deep. that idea and I feel really excited to talk about it because this was something I did not super regularly but every time I was gone after a sub and I know some like a lot of us have had that experience of the subs there and it's bad but I just incorporated like a regular thing every time after I was gone when there was a sub to talk about what went well what went poorly like what things we can do different and that was a really good way to like ease into something like that so I'm super excited about that. <laughs> I, I'm excited for that and excited to talk to you about it, Courtney, but I'm laughing because there was a TikTok teacher that I saw where she was demonstrating what she does after there's a really rough day with a sub and she was using a sound clip from that show Parks and Recreation mm -hmm. and she just had a slide up that's like, well, 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 <laughs> <Exactly>. you blew it. <laughs> that's how it feels a lot of the time for sure. <laughs> Tip number 21 is encourage expression through art. Sometimes students think and feel things that they can't quite put into those words. So art is a great tool to allow them to explore topics from a different perspective. They could sketch their thoughts and feelings out as a pre-writing activity and then create a, pre a painting as an interpretation of a piece of music or poetry. And speaking of the Calming Strategies toolbox that we mentioned a moment or so ago, <laughs> that is one of the tools in the toolbox is expressing yourself through art. I love that connection. Tip number 22 is to foster deeper connections. So have your students interview each other throughout the year about topics such as cultural background, family traditions, or opinions about a current event. Conducting a formal interview is different than a casual conversation, and it teaches skills such as focus listening and conversation skills. In addition, learning about their classmates will broaden their perspective as they consider that everyone's background and experience is not necessarily the same as their own. I love this example, Court. So cute. Mm-hmm. Number 23 is teach them to work towards a common goal. This could be done using classroom jobs that teach responsibility and give kids ownership of their classroom. And then it also gives them pride in a job well done and is a great confidence builder. I have a personal example of this one. Uh, my daughter, Harbor, she's a first grader and 
she, every day she she just wants to be the line leader and she just takes pride in being the line leader and she gets to pick a boy peer to like be the boy peer line leader and so she comes home every day to like tell me if she was the line leader but additionally they're also doing like a, a mealworm project in first grade and she just takes pride in like being the teacher helper helper to like feed the mealworms and like play with the mealworms and so much so that her teacher emailed me a few days ago saying what a great helper she was and and how much she appreciates Harbor in her class so and of course I shared that with Harbor and she thought it was just the best that's so great yeah that's great I I, it ties into kind of what we were talking about a lot is like classroom community and building that Mm -hmm. sense of community and like you're a contributor and have some ownership yep so great Tip number 24, we're nearing the end here, is to teach students about emotional regulation. So Elizabeth gave a specific example of using the zones of regulation curriculum and that specific zones visual, um, which is a way of, in short, kind of taking emotional vocabulary words and then sorting them into four buckets or zones based on how much energy and alertness is behind each of those emotions. That's the elevator speech on zones. So we've got, you know, bored, sad, sleepy on one end and being elated or enraged on the other end. Yale's mood meter is another example of a great tool that's very similar to this. And we talk about both of those and more extensively in episode 23, Creating Emotionally Intelligent Schools. Lots of plugs for that episode today. (laughs) Our last tip, tip number 25, is to end each day intentionally. The end of the school day can get really hectic. Elizabeth recommended ending each day intentionally by coming together for just a few minutes to reflect on the day together. So checking in on how students are feeling, talking about about what went well during the day, reading some notes from the kindness bucket that Rai talked about, and setting some goals for tomorrow. When I was reading this tip from Elizabeth, I was thinking a lot of our elementary schools do have a morning meeting in the, well, the morning. Um, But Elizabeth's idea sounds kind of like doing a very similar activity, but also at the end of the day. And I'll I'll admit, I've never worked in a classroom that did this specific ritual at the end of the day, so I can't say too much more about it. But when I worked at a federal setting for SPED behavior program, our teachers did meet with their homeroom classes at the end of the day, and they tried to check in with every student, basically about the same topics that Elizabeth mentioned. So how did the day go? What went well? What did you struggle with? What should your goal be for tomorrow? So I have seen it. Similar idea. And with that, we are going to do some takeaways and sign off here. So I am not going to try and summarize all 25 of these ideas. But please don't leave this episode, like we said at the beginning, please don't leave this episode expecting to try to make big moves with all 25 of these ideas at once. We hope that you just pick maybe one or two that you're really excited to work with. And obviously, you can always come back and listen to this episode again if you'd like some more ideas. And I'm really excited to do a couple more deep digging episodes into some of the things that we talked about. So that'll be really fun for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for spending time with us today. Make sure to subscribe. And if you're on YouTube, click the bell so that you're notified when new episodes are released each week. We'll see you when you come back for another slice of SEL. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.